Well, hey, my name is Pastor Zach. Uh, man, I'm so excited for today. Hey, we're starting our new series called Crossover today. But before we get started, man, I got a couple things that uh, I want to do. But the first thing that I want to do um, is I'm going to ask Jim and Martha Patterson to stand. I know. Don't you just love it? Go ahead. So, all right, y'all can sit, y'all can sit right back down. Hey, so, so Jim and Martha... Um, I don't think they heard from the Lord because they left North Carolina and went to a different state. Uh, but, but Jim and Martha helped us plant uh, Multiply Church uh, about four and a half years ago. Uh, and now they're here visiting with family. So they thought they would just, just drop in and hang out with us today. So thank you so much for being here. Couple... That's fine. See, this is why I miss Martha being in the room because she talks back to me. All right. I miss this. Listen, we are, we are a conversational church, all right? So if I say something, then like say something back, all right? Uh, but today, a couple, couple different things that I want to go over. The first one is this. We have party with the pastors this Sunday. So it's the first Sunday of every month. Well, you're excited, so that's good. Uh, so it's the first Sunday of every month. Uh, what's party with the pastors? It's just, it's going to be right after service. We're going to ask, there's 30 plus people already signed up. We're going to ask you to come to the front three rows. Basically, if you're new to the church, you want to know more information about the church, you want to know our history, you want to know our future, you want to know anything at all, we do party with the pastors the first uh, Sunday of every single month. So we'll have that right after service. If you didn't sign up for it, that's okay. You can come hang out with us anyway. The second thing I want to go over before we get started, I need everybody to take out your phones. I know I do this a lot. But it works, and it's a way for us to get your information. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but this is what we need to know. So, hey, go ahead. people are like scanning the QR code before I even say scan the QR code. So go ahead and scan the QR code. Hey, this is what we want to find out. Look across the room. Everybody look around the room real quick. I feel like y'all are all taking pictures of me. Like, do I just? <laughs> but look around the room. The room's full. Amen. Like we can, we can only get so many chairs in, in the room. So this is what we're looking at doing. We're looking at going to a second service. And so what we, I know that's something to celebrate about. Um, but what we want to know from you guys is what service would you attend? So there's two different options on there. Please don't pick both options. All right. Uh, pick the option that you are most likely to attend. It'll help us understand the direction that we're going as a church. So go ahead and scan that QR code. So here we go. We're going from generations to crossover. The past eight weeks, this is what we've talked about. It takes all the generations working together to receive all the promises of God. And that means that every single person in this room, regardless of your age, is going to be called to step outside of your comfort zone. Here's the deal. If you're going to call Multiply Lake Norman home, get comfortable being uncomfortable. Because God has never called us to be comfortable. We don't want to just fill up a room and then get comfortable with a full room. No, we want to reach people in our community. What I know is that people are flocking to this, this area more than, about more than any other uh, place in the nation. And we're called to reach those people. Why? Because we know that God has called us to leave our comfort zones. So that's kind of how we started our Generations series, Leave Your Comfort Zone. And now in this crossover series, we're going to have a theme verse for about the next six weeks. And our theme verse is going to be Joshua chapter 1, verse 2. Joshua chapter 1, verse 2 says, cross over into the land that I am giving you. So God is speaking to Joshua and he said, hey Joshua, you're going to cross over into the promised land. Let me give you a, a brief history to catch you up to Joshua chapter 1 if you're not familiar with the story. A few months back, we preached about the Israelites, and, and so we know that they were God's chosen people. 
And the Bible tells us a ton of stories about them. And and what we know is that God spoke to Moses through a burning bush. And he said, hey, Moses, you're going to go to this place called Egypt. And there's this group of people called the Israelites, and they're living in slavery. And Moses, you're going to talk to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh's going to eventually let the Israelites go. And so Moses makes his way to Egypt, and, and he's, t- he's talking to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh's not letting his people go. So, so God sends 10 different plagues, and, and what we know historically is those plagues took about a year to go through. And then Pharaoh eventually lets the Israelites go. But, but then he feels like he made a mistake, so Pharaoh gets all of his chariots, all of his horsemen, his entire army together, and what do they do? They chase after the Israelites. And so the Israelites are found between the the Egyptian army and the Red Sea, and and they're screaming at Moses, Moses, why would God bring us out to the desert to die? Here comes the army. What are we going to do about it? We're slaves. We don't know how to fight. And what happens? The Red Sea parts. The Israelites walk through. And as the Egyptian army kind of barrels down the same path, the waters close in and, and the entire army is drowned, but God rescued his people. And then the Israelites wander in the desert for 40 years. Joshua chapter 1 verse 2, cross over into the land that I am going to give you. So, so what is crossover for you? What is crossover for each individual in the room? For some of you, crossover might be a new career path. For some of you, crossover might be planting a church. For some of you, crossover might be starting a business. But, but what is crossover for you as the individual? Begin to kind of ask yourself that question. If you're taking notes, write it down. What is crossover for you? But then as a church, what is crossover for Multiply Church? R- remember our story. So four and a half years ago, I kind of alluded to it. Four and a half years ago, we planted Multiply Church in our town cinemas right down the road in Davidson. And we were, we were pumped that we were there. Here's the reality. We couldn't fit this many people in the room over there. So we had to move. About eight months ago, we moved to this location. And, and man, Liberty Prep has been a phenomenal location for us. We just want to say thank you to them. Thank, thank you to the staff. Thank you to the, the principal. Thank you to Dan and Amy and the rest of the team. But, but we moved here. So then I have to ask the question, well, what does crossover really mean? What's next for for the church. What's next for Multiply Lake Norman? Well, let me talk the immediate future. The immediate future, the, the immediate future is this. March 19th through the 26th, there's a team of us going down to Nicaragua. And the purpose of that isn't just for a short-term mission trip. The purpose of that is to plant a church in Nicaragua through a CrossFit gym. That, that's, that's in the immediate future. That's what crossover looks like. We're beginning to ask the question, what does crossover into Hickory look like? What does is, what is planting a church in Hickory look like? Hey, what does planting a church in Huntersville look like? What does planting a church in Statesville look like? Why? Because we want to plant the gospel message in every single community in this area. So, so what does it look like? What does adding a second service look like? Like what does crossover really look like? What does all the land and all the promises look like. Over the next few weeks, we're going to dive into a crossover series and crossover stories throughout Scripture. Today, we're going to be in John chapter 21. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to John chapter 21. If you got your Bible app, throw it on there. If you don't have the Bible um, or a version of it, we got it on the screens for you. So here we go. John chapter 21, starting in verse 1. I've got to drink some water first. Awkward pause. 
John chapter 21, starting in verse 1. Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter and Thomas, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. In verse 3, Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. Like what I love about the way this story starts off, it's just, just, it's just a bunch of guys hanging out. And one of them says, hey, you know what? I'm going fishing. Like group, groups matter. Who you do life together with matters. So, so one of them says, hey, I'm going, I'm going fishing. I remember my pawpaw growing up. Now, here, here's something that you have to know about Charles Witt Sr. Is that the man loved to fish. And when I say he loved to fish, this is not an exaggeration. Literally, every single day, he would go fishing. If it was raining, he wouldn't go. But if the weather was nice, he would go fishing. So much so that one of the pastors in the town that he lived in, um, he saw my grandfather at a, at a gas station one morning, because that's where all the old men hang out in my neighborhood. Anybody else in your neighborhood, like the old men hang out at the gas station, and they get gas station coffee. And so, so they're like sitting at the gas station, and, and one of the local pastors says, hey, Charles, you're going to catch the devil one Sunday if you keep fishing on Sundays. My grandfather did not skip a beat. He goes, probably, but I'll just throw him back until it's my time to go. Like, that, like that's just the time. Like, that's the time, kind of person that, that my grandfather was. But there was always an open invite. If you wanted to go fishing, you could go with him. Here was the only rule. You had to be at his house at 4.30 in the morning. Because that man was putting his boat in the water as the sun was coming up. He just loved, he loved to fish. I, I imagine this story is kind of like, I know this is my, my college group here, my high school group. All, like, raise your hand if you go to Davidson. Man, we're getting a lot of, look at it, they're all the way back there now. Like, we're getting a lot of them. But this is how it was when I was in college, all right? Maybe it's like this now. I don't know. But when I was in college, inevitably what would happen is somebody would kind of scream down the hallway, hey, I'm going to lunch, or hey, I'm going to play Ultimate Frisbee, or hey, I'm going to do whatever. Y'all are probably like texting each other now, but we didn't text a lot. We still had T9 when I was in school. Amen? <laughs> Man, I am, a, Stephen, we old. Did you do that? Please tell me that you yelled down the hallway. Oh, you had the T9. Is that what you were doing? Could you T9 without looking at it? Can anybody else T9 without looking at it? I got good at that. I'd be like, I'm listening to you, teacher. I'm really not. You do that quick glance. All right, it's good. <laughs> but, but like when I was in college, what we would do is we would just yell down the hallway, hey, we're going to, and inevitably somebody would yell back, we'll come to. And that's what's going on in this scripture. Verse 3, Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. And the disciples said, we'll come to. They said, Every, everybody needs some we'll come to, friends. Everybody needs somebody in your life that if you're going to say, hey, I'm going out, I'm going to do this, you need somebody in your life that will say, we'll come to. Kind of like last week when we were playing pickleball. Side note, there's a pickleball group starting at the church right after service. Um, so if you want to play pickleball, we're going to be playing in the, uh, the gym. But last week we tested it out. We put up the courts. And Sam Sanchez and Darren Ryle love to play pickleball. They're a little too competitive when it comes to it. <laughs> Coming from this guy, that's a lot. All right. Maybe because I haven't beat him yet, and I'm ticked off that I haven't beat him. But I said, Sam, we're playing pickleball today after church. He goes, fine, well, I'll come too. I just got to go home and get some clothes. Everybody needs some will come to friends. So let me pick up with the story. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. And at dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples, check this out, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. And he called out, fellas, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, throw out your net to the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. 
Verse 7, then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, jumped into the water, and headed to shore. And the others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore, for there were only, they were only about 100 yards from the shore. Verse 9, when they got there, I think this is one of the most beautiful scriptures in the entire, in the entire Bible. Why? Because Jesus is there and food is there, right? But when they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them. Fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you've caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and he dragged the net to the shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. So, so let, me, let me set the stage for just a moment. Peter, Peter was one of Jesus' closest friends. Peter followed Jesus throughout his entire ministry. But remember, Peter was the guy that denied Jesus not once, not twice, but three times. And, and this, is, this is what we know. They're living in the moments right after the crucifixion. So what happened? Peter went back to what was familiar. If you're taking notes, write this down. Our feelings of failure keep us returning to the familiar. Verse 3, Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. Why? Because it's what he did. It was his trade. It's what he did before he encountered Jesus. That was his way of life. That's what he felt like he was good at. And at this point, again, at this point, they're living in the moments after watching Jesus being crucified on a cross. I, I kind of imagine that it didn't feel right going fishing. I, I kind of imagine the thoughts that were in their head were, it's not supposed to be this way. This isn't the way the story's supposed to end. Jesus wasn't supposed to die. He was the one that was supposed to bring in this, this new heaven to earth. And, and that's what he spoke about. That's what he taught about. He wasn't supposed to be crucified. This wasn't supposed to be part of the story. So they ran back to what was familiar. I was texting Jake Norris uh, a couple days ago. And we were just talking about how they, how they opened up the gym. And how him and Zach and their families kind of opened up. Uh, the CrossFit gym in, in Huntersville. And I started asking Jake, like, hey, what did you do? Like, I knew a little bit of the story, but what did you do before the gym? For those of you who don't know, uh, Jake was an engineer. He worked in construction. He had, like, the company truck. He would drive it around and all that good stuff. But, but that wasn't the fullness of his calling. And so we started talking about how they launched the gym. And he, and he wrote this to me. We wanted to create a community that had each other's back, supported one another while challenging them to their core and creating a place where folks could fellowship and grow friendships. Jake, could, could you imagine, could you imagine if that didn't work out going back into the construction world? Like you're, saying, you're like, heck no. Like I, I couldn't imagine, even, even during 2020 when gyms weren't open, you're like, how do we keep this thing open? Because I don't want to go back to what I was doing. What if every time something got hard, we ran back to the familiar? See, it would have been easy for Jake to go back to the familiar. Why? Because he knew how to, he knew how to do the job. But this is what I know. Once you taste the goodness of Jesus, returning to pre-Jesus habits will leave you feeling emptier than ever. See, what used to pass the time, what used to fill the void, what used to numb the pain is going to leave you emptier than ever. And this is what I know. It's the grace of God that he won't let you succeed at failing. Some of you are like, I'm going to write that down, but I have no idea what it really means. 
But what if Peter and the boys would have crushed it? Like, what if they would have just absolutely killed it and, and caught fish and, and said something along the lines of, we don't really need Jesus anymore. We'll just go back to what's familiar. But now, now Peter's failing at something he was supposed to be good at. Like, that was his trade. That's what he was supposed to be good at. And he, and he can't catch any fish. What if your lack of fruitfulness is actually a blessing in disguise? We don't want to think that way. Why? Because God's supposed to, I'm supposed to be fruitful in everything that I do. If I, no, it's not, it doesn't work that way. I don't want to be fruitful in anything that God doesn't want me to be fruitful in. I don't care if it's good. If it's good, that doesn't mean it's from God. Failure isn't final or, fa- uh, final or fatal. Failure isn't the ultimate challenge. It's how you respond to failure that matters. Your response to failure can either propel you forward or it can kick you back. It can propel you forward or it can kick you back. Maybe you're in the room and you found yourself in, in some old habits. Maybe you're in the room and over the past few weeks or months or maybe in the past few years, you found yourself kind of falling back into to old mindsets, to old relationships. Hey, some of y'all in the room, you know you shouldn't be talking to him. You know you shouldn't be talking to her. Go ahead and delete her number out of your phone. Go ahead and unfollow her from Instagram. Like you, you, shouldn't, you, shouldn't, be, you shouldn't be in that relationship, but, but you're allowing yourself to fall back into old mindsets, into old relationships, and into old patterns, and old, old habits. But, but this is the beautiful thing about Jesus. Regardless of where you are in your story, Jesus will always meet you in the middle of your failure. John 21, verse 9, when they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire, and some bread. In fact, Jesus isn't just showing up. He's prepared for you, and he's welcoming you back to the table. This is what, this is what I know. A lot of people show up when you're winning. A, a lot of people want to show up when you win. A lot of people even show up when you lose in the sense of the loss of a loved one or a tragedy. People will show up to support you. They'll support you when you're losing or when you've lost a loved one. They'll support you when you're winning. But, but failure is different. Who's going to show up when you've embarrassed yourself? Who's going to show up when you've fallen flat on your face? See, see failure is different than loss. People show up in your failure. People avoid you in your loss. And you would think that Jesus would avoid Peter. Why? Because he just denied him three times. They were supposed to be boys. They were supposed to be together. But, but Peter denied Jesus. You would think that, that Jesus had every right to say, you know what, I'll talk to all of y'all, but I don't really want to talk. I don't want to talk to Peter. Because Peter denied me. But that's not what, what Jesus does. And what I love about this story, for Peter, this wasn't before Jesus. Like, we kind of justify some stuff. Well, that was before I was saved. That was, that was before I knew the Lord. That was before I really got serious about my faith. And, and we try to justify some of the things that we did. But for Peter, that wasn't the case. This was in the middle of ministry. This was like at the apex of him following Jesus. Three and a half years, day in and day out, day out Peter was side by side with Jesus. And then he denies him. This was in the middle of his ministry that Peter failed. How drastically could your life change if you allow Jesus to show up in your failure? We don't want to admit that we failed. We want to avoid failure. Maybe you're in the room and, and some thoughts are going through your head like, man, I wish I, I wish I could be a better dad. 
I, I wish I could be a better spouse. Man, I should have been a better boyfriend or, or girlfriend. Now, I, should, I should have been a better student. I should have been a better boss. I should have been a better leader. I, I, should, I should have been a better employee. In fact, in many areas, you feel like a failure. And this morning, God wants to remind you that he's right there in the middle of your failure. Not, not to embarrass you, not c- to condemn you, but he's prepared a table for you. This is what we have to learn from the story. Don't estimate, underestimate small acts of obedience. Because small acts of obedience unlock more than you know. Verse 6, case in point. Then he said, throw out your net to the right-hand side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did. So they did. Something as simple as tossing a net to the other side of the boat. But I think we keep ourselves in unintentional disobedience. And this is what I mean. There's four things that I want you to write down. The first one is this. Four ways we live in unintentional disobedience is, number one, we overthink it. Because could you imagine if the disciples started thinking out loud, like, can, can fish swim under a boat? Like, of course they can swim under a boat. And you start to overthink and, and overanalyze, and you yell back, why would we throw to the right side of the boat? That has no relevance in this whole situation. That's not what Scripture says. Scripture says, so they did. Too often we overthink it. We think worst case scenario. Any worst case scenario, people in the room, I'm going to confess. That's me. Like if I'm not careful, I have this tendency to like think out the scenario of what could possibly happen. Next thing you know, I feel like I'm living like two lives because it's like, well, it's not going to happen, but, but that's the worst case scenario. So I feel like I have to think that way. And we think exactly. So we're prepared. Like we want to we try to out prepare God actually. So what we say is, I'm going to overthink and overanalyze because I'm preparing for the worst case scenario. What you're saying is, I'm removing my fate from this situation, and I want to feel like I can solve the problem. Man, you just, I, that wasn't even in the notes. That's the Lord. Thanks, Stacy. I don't know. You're just there, so I'm just preaching. Listen, I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching with you. I'm sorry. All right. If you feel convicted, it's God, not me. I promise. <laughs> I love you, Stacy. The second thing is this, we can live in unintentional disobedience trying or tying in the size of the act of the obedience to the size of the result. One of the greatest mistakes is to try to connect the size of our obedience with the size of the blessing. Think about it, one one stone knocked down a nine-foot giant. One red cord saved an entire family lineage. Some of you are like, what does that even mean? Read your Bible more. But, but think about it, five loaves and two fish fed thousands. Don't underestimate small acts of obedience. What was a small act? Throw your net to the other side of the boat. What's a small act in, in your life? Listen, don't, don't underestimate opening your Bible for 10 minutes a day. Don't underestimate just downloading the app and reading that one verse every day to start your day. I don't want you to stay there, but start there. Don't underestimate talking to God for 10 minutes. Like prayer doesn't have to be thus saith the Lord. A lot of times when I talk to God, I'm like, hey man, what's up? Uh, I got a rough day today. <laughs> like, I got that meeting I don't want to go to. I got to make that phone call. I got to talk to that family. But it is like, but I just, I just talk to God. Don't underestimate just that 10 minutes of, of talking to God. Don't, don't underestimate being committed to a church. Too many people in our society, they church hop. Can I call a spade a spade? 
Listen, you can go to churches and you can check them out. I don't care if you go here or not. Go somewhere and get plugged in. Stop going to one church because they have a good youth group and another church because they have good music and another church because they have good, a good sermon. No, find somewhere, plug in, and help them grow the kingdom of God. If it's here, great. We want you to be here. If it's somewhere else, great. Go there. But help build the kingdom of God. Be committed somewhere. We have a problem in our society and our culture with commitment. We don't know how to commit. Don't underestimate small acts of commitment. Serve in a group. Serve at church. Get baptized. Don't underestimate sending a text message. Don't underestimate taking somebody out to dinner just to catch up with them. Number three, we can live in unintentional disobedience by thinking you know more than God. Throw your nets to the other side of the boat. Three, three words that are powerful, so they did. How many times do we question God? I, I don't know. I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can do that. I, I don't know if I can throw my net to the other side of the boat. In fact, I think I know more than God, and I'll kind of go back to what I told you, Stacey. It's like we feel like we need to get out ahead of God or get out ahead of our faith so that we can have a solution for the potential problem. So we think we know better than God, but scripture says, so they did. And this is the kind of life that I want to live. Coach, you said it this morning. We're called to live uncomfortable. God tells me to do something, I hope my response is, so Zach did. I don't want to overanalyze. I don't want to overthink it. I don't want to think I know more than God. In fact, sometimes we think we know more than God, so it causes us to go back to number one and start to overthink the entire situation. It's like, no, just, just do it. Like, it's the, it's the simple act of doing. Number four is this, not knowing for sure if it's Jesus. This one can get kind of tricky. Let me ask you this question. When did, the, when did the disciples know for sure that it was Jesus? So, so follow-up question. Was it before they threw the net or after they threw the net? It was after they threw the net. Verse 4, the disciples couldn't see who he was. They had to rely on the voice in the dark. Kind of sounds like a life that I live sometimes. Right? It's like I, I, can't, I can't see it for sure. But it kind of sounds like Jesus. I, 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 can't, I can't see for sure, but, but that voice sounds familiar. And then you ask yourself questions like this. Is it Jesus or is it just the crazy voice inside of my head? Is it Jesus or is it the tacos I ate last night? Like, is it Jesus or is it just this weird gut feeling? And what happens? We go back to the top. We overthink it. We overanalyze it. We think we know more than God. And we get stuck in this cycle of not trusting God. It's unintentional disobedience. And we have to identify those four acts. We have to identify, am I overthinking the situation? We have to identify tying in the size of the act of obedience to the size of the result. We have to identify thinking that you know more than God, and you have to identify not knowing for sure if it's Jesus. I don't care what your profession is. I don't care what your calling is. I don't care where you find yourself in life. If we're not careful, we can fall we can fall victim to one of these four. But leaving your comfort zone and crossing over is always about people. Take a look at this video. In the spring of 2018, I followed this, uh, CrossFit, uh, this CrossFit Gym's Instagram account. This gym, I knew that they would let me come in, partake in these workouts. So I dropped in there. The first thing that I remember about that night was it was an open workout. I walked in 
and knew absolutely no one. Zach was one of the first people that I, that I spoke to and Zach beat me at that workout. And I don't know why, it was just, it was Zach in particular. Um, him beating me, I didn't appreciate. So I wanted to beat him at workouts. I started working out more, so I started seeing Zach more. Um, and, and him and I would talk every time I came in. And then Zach started inviting me to church. And I was like, oh great, I've made friends with a preacher. Here we go again, <laughs> where you know people are all in your face, like they're texting you, they're calling you, trying to get you to come to church. I don't need that. I don't need to go to church. It's not that big of a deal to me. There were a lot of a lot of different things that had happened between me and my friend group, and you know, people that I was around um, that I just didn't want to partake in. And those people just happened to be churchgoers, and I was I kind of made a negative association. I had stepped away from my faith. I thought it was dumb. It was pointless. Like I never wanted to be in church again. And then I went years without going to church without opening the Bible, without praying, nothing. And then Zach would kind of drop these little, hey, you should come to church, or um, hey, so there's some guys meeting at the house later, like you should come by, we're, we're having pizza or playing basketball or whatever it might be. He would never be obnoxious about it. He wouldn't be all in my face. He'd be like, hey, just come to church one day. So probably a little over a year later, I was finally, finally, I was like, um, yeah, I'll go to church. I kind of rededicated myself to my faith, started, you know, praying more, studying my Bible. I go to church every Sunday. Having someone like Zach kind of guide me along that path to get me to where I need to be. When I have spiritual questions, um, I always can come to him. When I have life questions, I can always come to him. If Zach hadn't been at the gym that day, I never would have had that encounter with him. That first initial suggestion of me possibly going back to church, Life is definitely different. It has definitely changed. I know that I'm always being led in the right direction. I probably watched that video a dozen times. Dude, I can't even look at you without tearing up. Robert, freaking loser. Uh, since that video, I don't think Robert has, let me rephrase that, I don't think I've beaten Robert in a workout since that video, or probably a year prior to that video being made. But, but what I know is that life is about people. And he said a lot of good things about me, but that man has changed my life more than he knows. Robert has, Robert's become like a little big brother. You're definitely bigger than me now. Definitely stronger than me. More fit and all that good stuff. But it's always about people. See, see nets and boats are important. In, in the story, nets and boats were important. You need nets. You, you need a way to catch people. You, you need boats. You need, a place to, you need a place to put the people. Let me draw the correlation for you. We need nets. Nets are just ministries and methods. And we need boats. Boats are just buildings and places. 
But the story isn't about boats and nets. It's about the fish. And boats and nets are just tools to help catch fish. Being a part of this church isn't about a building. It's not about a location. It's about people. So regardless of where we are, regardless of if we're in Lake Norman, regardless of if we're in Hickory or or Nicaragua, regardless of if we plant a, a church in Huntersville or in Statesville, it's always going to be about people. And we know this. God is bringing families into this community. People are moving here left and right. And what I know is we have to fish for people. Where, where are the families? Where are the people? Man, the people are at trampoline parks. The people are at gyms. The, the people are at lacrosse fields. They're at basketball courts. They're at schools. Where are the people? The people are your co-workers. The people are the, the individuals that you encounter day in and day out. And what I know is this, Multiply Church has been entrusted to this area. We've been entrusted to do our part, to spread love and grace and forgiveness. To see people hurting. To look at something like Matthew 25 and say, you know what? I'm going to take care of the widow and the orphan and the, and the downcast. But Matthew 28, we're going to baptize and make disciples of all people. Of all people. So I'll ask you this, April 17th, who are you bringing? For those of you who haven't been here, April 17th is Easter. I mean, we want to pack this place out, not because we just want Matt's looking around like there's no more room in the place. We're probably going to go to two services that day. But, but it's not just to see how many people we can get here. I mean, think, think of your story. Think of your encounter. Think of, think of your relationship with Jesus. And then think of how you got to the church. I guarantee you more than half of the room came here because somebody brought you here. And you stayed here because you found family. You found freedom. I talked to, I would plan on this, Zach, but I'm going to call you out. But, I've, man, we've, we've talked a lot. We've talked about growing a gym and growing a church and just doing life. And, man, what I love is that I go to church with people that I see every single day of the week. Man, I, I, I probably, I see you three, four, if not five times a week. And that makes a difference in my life. You make me better. I, I can look around the room and do that to, to multiple people. But, but what I love is that not only do I have relationship with people, but you have relationships with one another. And, and what we're going to do is continue to spread that family, continue to open the table. Jesus already had fish for him by the fire, ready for breakfast. We're going to always have place for new people. But let's go back to the very beginning of this story. And the very beginning doesn't start in chapter 21. In fact, the very beginning starts in a different book, in Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, one day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon also called Peter and Andrew, and they were throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. And then Jesus called out to them, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and they followed him. They left their nets at once and they followed him. And all across this room, I'm going to ask for everybody to stand just for a moment. They left their nets at once. See, it's easy to go back to the familiar. Peter, Peter went back to the familiar. 
And then he recognized that Jesus was on the shore, so he dove in the water, and he just started swimming frantically towards Jesus. Church, I I refuse to go back to familiar. I refuse to go back to familiar, even though familiar might be easy, even though familiar might be comfortable. We're called to live uncomfortable. I started by saying this. I'm going to end by saying this. Get comfortable being uncomfortable. We're going fishing for people. We're spreading the gospel message. Last week I asked you, I said, hey, who's got next? This week I'm going to ask you, who's got next and who's ready to fish for people? You can't say I have next and not do anything about it. You can't say, I have next, and get comfortable in your seat. No, we're going to dive into worship for a moment. And if you're saying, God, I got next, I want you to worship like you got next. I want you to worship like you're going to fish for people. this morning you recognized his voice you recognize there was a void inside of you and could I encourage you just like Peter jump out of the boat and start swimming towards him start swimming towards him because he's waiting for you he's got breakfast for you he's got a fire for you he's ready to accept all that you are maybe that's you across the room 
And on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand, not to embarrass you, not to call you forward, but so that we can say a prayer together that you might be able to step into a relationship with Jesus. All across the room, if that's you, on the count of three, to slip up your hand. Ready? One, two, three. If you would say, Zach, that's me. And I just need a true relationship with Jesus. Man, once you slip that hand up, you can put it right back down. Amen. Amen. And then if we could say this prayer collectively, could we say, Jesus, I need you in my life. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to live wide awake to your love and fully alive to my purpose. In your name I pray. Amen. Hey, can we give it up for the people that just stepped into a relationship with Jesus? That's something to get excited about. Hey, if that, was, if that was you, if you said that prayer for the very first time, or, or maybe it was a rededication right outside of these doors to the left, we have what we call our wide awake and fully alive area. Like you hear the language, live wide awake to my purpose and fully alive to your love. So that's what we want for you. So if you said that prayer, make sure you, you go outside these doors to the left. There'll be somebody there to talk to you, to pray with you, to give you some material to take that next step. I hope you enjoyed crossover week one. We'll be in it for a couple more weeks. If you're here for party with the pastors, front three rows in the next five minutes. We'll see you guys next week as we continue to love Jesus and change the world. Have a good week. Golden Street. Ooh, fill my cup.